Oh, no, come on now. Now, okay, that just got better now. That is terrible, terrible. We weren't talking about stature. <laughs> I found this, uh, I'm gonna, I'll probably use this in a sermon illustration at some point, so I'll just give you a preview, but it just happened to fall out of my Bible. I was in, the, um, in one of the hotel rooms for coffee last week in uh, Kentucky, and I reached for a sugar packet because I put one sugar, one cream in my coffee every morning, and it's nothing in it. It's completely, completely, not one grain of sugar, but it's still closed. And I thought, you know, that's a lot of Christians right there, isn't it? I mean, they, they look like, they look right, nothing in it. Anyway, a little illustration. Job 18 is where we're at tonight. Job chapter 18. I was talking to uh, Brother Wes. He's, he worked through the book of Job today in his Bible reading. We were talking about some of the different things and uh, we, I was sharing with him in, in working through this book, one of the things that has changed in my thinking about Job is that we talk about Job being the patient. Uh, you know, the Bible talks about the patience of Job. And uh, we've talked about him being the most, we even use the term, he has the patience of Job uh, because of uh, Job's patience. I think, though, I still agree he was patient, but I don't think it was about his illnesses as much as it was about his knuckle-headed friends. I mean, that took patience right there. Uh, the illness, yes, he stayed faithful through all that, but the, to have the patience to sit through over and over this assault and barrage from his so-called friends, we hit another one tonight. This is from Bildad. Uh, this is his second speech in chapter 18. There's no uh, improvement on his first at all. There's no hint of hope or encouragement or reassurance. Uh, Job is to Bilbad, Dad, and we'll see at the end of our lesson tonight that he is as one that knoweth not God. He's not even he's not even giving him the legitimacy of as a man of God anymore. And so I want to break it down here as we go through this. I was just told it had to be short, so we'll we'll make it quick. The rebuke of Job is where he begins in verse eighteen or verse one of chapter eighteen. Let me read a few verses and then we'll pick them up as we go through. Then answered Bildad the Shuhite. And said, how long will it be ere you make an end of words? What a rude way to start, huh? How long? Here, and by the way, look at the previous chapter. When most of them talk, it's 35 verses, uh, 40 verses, thereabouts. Job talks for 16 verses, and, jo and Bildad is, when are you going to stop talking already? That's how he starts it out. Mark, and afterwards we will speak. Wherefore, are we counted as beasts and reputed vile in your sight? Yes, I would say to that. He teareth himself in anger. Shall the earth be forsaken for thee? Shall the rock be removed out of his place? Father, we thank you for the reading here. Short verses, but we'll continue as we go. And we pray you bless it and use it. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, there's a pattern here we see in the whole book where they begin out with the rebuke of each other. And it's uh, not the whole book. It was after the first couple of speeches. They started getting nastier and nastier. Uh, and they start their little speech with an insult. Uh, Job's done it several times. It's well-deserved from him, not so much from them. Uh, but he, Because I believe he was right in rebuking them, uh, but they're wrong in rebuking him. But he rebuked him of four things here, Job, of four things. Uh, first, his articulation or his talking in verse 2, how long will it be ere you make an end of your words? This is not the first time that he has been rebuked by Bildad for the length of his speech. Uh, he uh, starts in chapter 8. That was his initial speech to him. He also asks him there, how long are you going to talk? He doesn't 
have it patience to listen very long, this Bildad guy here. He tries to excuse that impatience by, excuse, by accusing Job of being long-winded. Uh, why are you still talking? But uh, he's not a good listener. And by the way, I just want to reiterate that again. We've talked about that much throughout this book, the art of listening. If they would just listen instead of talk. Look how he says it here. He starts out, ere you make, uh, ere make an end of words, mark, and afterwards we shall speak. Uh, this, this is uh, real nice, isn't it? When are you going to stop talking so we can talk? That's how a lot of people feel about conversation. But listening. We need to be listeners. Uh, I read this statement last week. Actually, I listened to it. I was listening to one, a, a book um, by uh, John Maxwell, and I, I heard he made this statement, being listened to and being loved is so close to the same thing that it is hard to distinguish between the two. Think about that statement. Being listened to and being loved. Sometimes being loved is being listened to. And if someone will just listen, it's so valuable today that people will pay somebody by the hour to sit and essentially just listen to them because they don't have anybody to listen to them in their life. So uh, that's an art we need to not let go out of our life. Uh, he describes Job's speech here as being a bunch of words without any intelligent rationale. Uh, when he says, ear make an end of words, the, the uh, word translated mark there, it doesn't really make sense in our language, the way we talk, ere you make an end of words, when are you going to stop talking, mark, and afterwards we will speak. It doesn't really make sense in our language, but that word means to be discerning, to be perspective. So Bildad's essentially saying, when you get done blowing hot air, we'll speak. That's what he's basically saying there. Uh, the this is what the third time I think they accused him of being full of hot air. I read a illustration about a church that redid their bathrooms and they replaced their paper towels with hot air. The the blowers, you know, you push a button and they you blow the hot air to dry your hands. And uh, they, that was only in there for two weeks. And the church made went back to paper towels. Pastor made them do that because somebody had put a sign on there for a sample of this week's sermon, press the button. Well, that's what, that, that's what Bildad was saying about... about uh, that's not that funny. But anyway, that's what Bildad was saying about uh, Job, that he was uh, full of hot air, okay? And that is such arrogance. Essentially, he's saying, you're unhappy with what we're saying. It's because your words are so senseless. You don't make any sense. And so he tells Job to think a little instead of talking. Now, that's often good advice. It's misused here, but... And then look at the analogy. He's also upset about that. He rebukes him about that in verse 3. Wherefore are we counted as beasts and reputed vile in your sight? Bildad was offended by the way Job characterized him and his friends. Uh, wherefore are we counted as beasts? Now this, this was prompted by Job. Uh, they have gaped upon me with their mouth in chapter 16, verse 10. Uh, from the fact that he said beasts knew as much as his friends knew in Job 12, 7. So they certainly had acted more like beasts than friends. Uh, they, they also, uh, he, he says here, are we reputed vile in your sight? Uh, they, Job had said they were vile and wicked, and uh, so that's, that's, uh, that's kind of rich here, by the way. He's uh, giving Job a rebuke because you called us wicked. He's called Job, all of them have called Job wicked over and over and over in their speeches. And so here, uh, it's basically the theme of their message, but they don't like to receive it. And there again is a principle. People can dish it out. And have you ever noticed that the ones who dish it out the most harshly are the least able to take it when it comes back to them? And uh, so, so we need to make sure we understand that. The anger of Job in verse two is uh, verse four. I'm sorry, is another one he he uh, 
rebukes here. He teareth himself in his anger. Shall the earth be forsaken for thee? Shall the rock be removed out of his place? He had spoken, Job had spoken with passion. True, he did. I mean, he was very passionate and he was very, really upset and hurting. And so Bildad implies here that Job lost his temper and his anger, in his anger, he injured himself. Job thought that God was tearing him in chapter 16, verse 9, but Bildad says here that Job's tearing himself in his rage. He fails to show any sympathy, again, no comfort. He analyzes Job's words for anything that he can twist and use against him. And this is a common tactic with people who are critical by nature, who have that critical spirit about them. Now, here's the $1,000 question that I had when I read this. If Bildad could see such great anger in Job, why can't he see his great sorrow? You ever notice that? They don't see his pain. They don't see his sorrow. They don't see what's hurting him. They just pick out other things out of him. If we could just understand that in the human condition, often rudeness comes from people that are hurting and much sorrow. Pastor Nick and I last week uh, were treated rudely in a coffee shop uh, by one of the girls. She was just, I mean, cuss us out or anything, but it was not nice. She was just kind of rude and slammed on our stuff, wouldn't answer when we spoke. And uh, so as we're leaving, we're, we're just talking about it a little bit. And uh, he, Pastor Nick says she's, she may have just gotten some really bad news or, you know, she might be having a really bad day. And uh, I say, yeah, you know, you never know. They might be struggling with her marriage or that was kind of the tenor of our conversation but I was thinking afterwards I'm glad that he thinks that way and I don't ever want to stop thinking that way uh, instead of lashing back at people let's go a little deeper and and I know some people are just jerks I know there are some people that are just flat out mean nasty and that's their nature but let's remember that often people that are rude are hurting they come across rude they got something going on down here in their heart because hurting people hurt people hurting people hurt people and we ought to show some compassion when their people are even rude to us uh, be kind to unkind people someone said because they're the ones who need it most kind people get kindness a lot unkind people are the ones that need it but the problem with Bill that he was not interested at all in comforting Job only in criticizing him unfortunately some people still do that as a pastime today being critical. Then he also rebukes the arrogance of Job. Verse 4, Shall the earth be forsaken for thee? Shall the rock be moved out of his place? He's sarcastically asking Job here, if the whole world has to focus on him, does everything have to be about you? <laughs> I mean, again, yeah, a little bit right now. In this conversation, yes, let's make it about Job a little bit. Don't you think he's earned it with his suffering? Sitting there scraping himself with a a uh, piece of pottery. He's had every. He's lost everything in his life. Um, he's sad. He's confused. He's grieving. He's uh, wondering why this is happening to him. And here's a friend that comes along. Man, Job, does this all have to be about you? I mean, think of the callousness of this statement. Bildad then lists a number of things involved in the justice on the wicked for their sin. So, 15 minutes, and I have 17 points. We'll work through them very quickly, all right? Uh, look at 17 of these uh, he applies to Job. And now, he applies to Job. We're going to look at him objectively. We understand, and I've said this as we go throughout these, these men preach sermons that are good. They, they say some good things. They apply them to Job wrongly, but we want to look at him objectively. So uh, we'll, we'll look at that as we go through. First of all, he talks about the darkness of the wicked. Let's look at verse 5 and 6. 
Yea, the light of the wicked shall be put out. The spark of his fire shall not shine. The light shall be dark in his tabernacle and his candles shall be put out with him. In the Bible, darkness is associated with sin and light is associated with righteousness. And the thought here is that the wicked men may at any time, uh, he might have acquired splendor, he might have acquired glory, honor, wealth, and prosperity, but all this can be taken away from him. His light can be put out. Ever been there? Everything's going good, easy street, and all of a sudden somebody turns the light out in your life. Uh, somebody said that they finally thought they, they thought they finally saw a light at the end of the tunnel and it ended up being a train coming at them. Uh, that's how we feel sometimes, like the light's out. Job is utterly destitute of wealth and health, so therefore he must be wicked, is what Bildad's saying. Number two, the depriving of the wicked. Verse seven, the steps of his strength shall be the steps of his strength shall be straightened. Say that ten times, and his own counsel shall cast him down. The thought here is that the wicked are deprived of freedom. The steps straightened. The word straight means hemmed in or restricted, limited. Uh, you know, you got a you got an ankle bracelet. You, or tether. You can't, uh, you can't go certain places. You can't go very far. And this is true of sin. Sin does not bring freedom. Sin brings restrictions and limitations in our life. Salvation is what brings freedom. Righteousness is what brings freedom, not sin. And Bildad thinks that Job obviously must be wicked because of his restrictions. And then number three, the disgracing of the wicked. His own counsel shall cast him down. The supposed cleverness of the wicked will actually be his undoing. How often this happens to the wicked. You remember Haman? Uh, the very gallows he was building, he ended up being hung on him. Uh, you remember uh, Jacob cheated, was cheated by his uncle the same way that he cheated his brother and his father. The punishment of the wicked invariably uh, is, springs from his own misdeeds. That comes from the principle, whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. It's the law of the soil, but also the law of the soul. And then number four, the deceiving of the wicked. He is cast into a net by his own, uh, where are we at here? Verse eight, for he's cast into a net by his own feet and he walketh upon a snare. Now, it's interesting, Bildad here mentions six different types of traps. If you read on uh, in verse number eight, for he, we just read eight, verse nine, the jinn shall take him by the heel and the robber shall prevail against him. The snare is laid for him in the ground and a trap for him uh, in the way. The traps, obviously, are set to deceive. We have a... Mike and I are trying to... A couple times through this winter, we, we're infested with rabbits. I have a, a little shed in the backyard, and there's you know, there's those tracks all the way around. I just know there's tons of rabbits living under there. So uh, we wanted to trap, and I have been unsuccessful so far, but we tried to deceive because we put... See? Got some good food here for you. We put it inside the trap, behind the place they have to step on to trip it. And that's our deception, see? We're trying to give them food that they like and we're trying to entice them with good things. That's what traps do. They deceive. And sin does that. Sin is that trap. It deceives. It promises good things. Hey, look at me. A lot of fun. A lot of enjoyment here. It, it, it slams in on you. Deceives you. And you find yourself in trouble. And that's what he's talking about, the deception here. And then number five, the dread for the wicked. Terrors, verse 11 shall make him, that's the wicked, afraid on every side and he shall drive and shall drive him to his feet. One of the retributions of sin is that great fear comes upon the wicked. 
the Bible tells us in Proverbs, the wicked flee when no man pursueth. Why? Because there's fear. There's natural fear there. Bildad had that aha moment when uh, Job confessed that he expressed great terrors. Remember that a few weeks ago we talked about Job, how the, he had that great terror on him. And, oh, that's because you're wicked, because the wicked have fear on him. Uh, Christians can fear too. <laughs> doesn't, I mean, things happen like it did to Job. Uh, we can understand that fear. Number six, the depleting for the wicked. Uh, verse 12, his strength shall be hunger bitten. His destruction shall be ready at his side. Uh, the maximum here is that the weakness comes on the wicked and it's like the weakness that comes from the hunger of a famine. That's what it uses to illustrate this. The wicked shall lose their strength because sin weakens people. Sin will weaken your, uh, your ability to stand against it. Sin will weaken your testimony. Sin will weaken you in every way uh, that, you, that it can. So it'll, it'll weaken your physical body. We, have seen, we see that in... If you go to the homeless shelter, you'll see that people's physical bodies are weakened and wrecked by sin. Then uh, number seven, the destruction of the wicked. And also in verse 12, destruction shall be ready at his side. Uh, that's the idea. Destruction is ready to seize on him at any moment. Destruction walks beside the wicked. It is ready to uh, at any moment to execute. Uh, Proverbs 29.1, He that being often reproved hardeneth his necks next shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. How many have gone their wicked way only to be destroyed sooner or later by their own sin? Again, uh, like we mentioned earlier, uh, they, in fact, let me read you this verse, Psalm 94, 23. And he shall, that's the Lord, shall bring on him their own iniquity and shall cut them off in their own wickedness. It's amazing to me how many times People who choose to sin are hurt by the, the very sin that they're committing is often their undoing in the end. Drunkenness, drug addiction, many of those things. Not long after a, a wealthy contractor, the, the contractor that was in charge of building the Tombs prison in New York, not long after the prison was complete and it was being used and uh, prisoners were being housed there, he was found guilty of forgery and he was sentenced to several years and he was sent into the prison that he had built. And this is what he said as he was escorted into a cell. I never dreamed when I built this prison that I would be an inmate one day. I wonder how many times people could say that of their own sin. Never dreamed that one day I'd be a prisoner of this. And it's something of their own doing. Alright, number eight. The disease for the wicked. Verse 13. It shall devour the strength of his skin. Even the firstborn of death shall devour his strength. This is easy for Bildad to apply to Job because of his physical suffering. The very skin of Job is, is troubled. He's scraping it. It's got boils on it. And so uh, it, he, it is true that, the, that evil can often be seen in the skin of the sinner. I mean, smoking's one. A lot of times you can tell a smoker even if you don't see him smoking because, you know, yellowed skin and, and the pallor and very things. So uh, all those things can apply, but it didn't apply to Job. Number nine, the displacing of the wicked, verse 14 and 15. His confidence shall be rooted out of his tabernacle, and it shall bring him to the king of terrors. It shall dwell in his tabernacle, because it is none of his brimstone shall be scattered upon his habitation. Uh, the uh, speaks about how sin shifts the wicked from his place of security. That's the confidence it talks about. His uh, home, his tabernacle. And sin does that. It displaces you from nice places to bad places. It can rob you of good things that you had, especially when it 
can turn into addiction, whether it be gambling, drinking, drugs, and, and well, there's a million other addictions we could name too. We like to make those our big three, but the truth is we all have addictions to something, uh, some sins that we have to deal with, all right? So those things can be uh, very damaging to us. And then number 10, the doom for the wicked. Brimstone, again in verse 15, shall be scattered on his habitation. This is the final judgment for the wicked, found in Revelation 21.8, uh, fire and brimstone. Uh, this is a horrible, horrible future that lies in store for them. But build that implies that fire and brimstone had come on Job. Remember what it said in chapter one: the, that fire of the Lord is fall, the fire of God has fallen from heaven. And it's true, the fire of God does come on the wicked. Did on Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, the fire that came on Job though wasn't for his sin. The fire that came on Job was for his righteousness. If you really look at the core of it, and so. Just because bad things happen to people does not mean they are bad or they have done something bad other than being sinners. And then number 11, the dearth of, for the wicked. His roots, verse 16, shall be dried up beneath and above shall his branches branch be cut off. The picture is that of the wicked having their prosperity and well-being taken away from them like a tree that dries up from the roots. I just got a call yesterday from our neighbor next door and uh, asked if we were going to do anything about I guess we have two trees that have given up the ghost in our line over here. So I guess we'll be working on that because it's uh, they get kind of pretty bad when they get dead. Uh, so two of our trees woke up dead this year is what I'm trying to say. It happens from down below, though. You know, it, They die from underneath, as the Bible says here, dried up from underneath. So in Job's time, as we've said many times, they saw no occasion for prosperity for the wicked or this uh, tremendous affliction on the righteous uh, people. They, they thought if you, got, if you got affliction, you were wicked. If you were successful, you were righteous. And that is no way to look at it because uh, that's, that's no way for us to judge people. Jesus said, don't let the... Ah, just lost the verse in my head. Um, the, the worth of a man is not made up in the abundance of what he has is essentially what he's saying. Uh, number 10, the disesteem for the wicked. Or 12, I'm sorry, number 12. The disesteem for the wicked. Verse 17, his remembrance shall perish from the earth and he shall have no more name in the street. He had been a very famous and well-to-do man. He was highly respected, Job was. This would really hurt Job. This would really sting that now people are talking. Tongues are wagging about what's happened to you. And uh, this is what Bildad's kind of rubbing in there. Uh, by the way, Job did not lose his popularity and his respect. Uh, that has lasted for eternity. In the end, God rebukes his friends, not him. Who are we talking about tonight? Well, we are talking about Bildad, but not in a positive way. We're talking about Job in a positive way. So that's a, that's a blessing. Number 13, the driving of the wicked. Verse 18, he shall be driven from light into darkness and chased out of this world, out of the world. Uh, this driven means to be forced or, or to be pushed. Basically, it's talking about being chased or being banished by force. The wicked are often driven from their peace and prosperity. Uh, this is talking about light into darkness. So uh, this is something that happens. It happened to the prodigal son's life. Lived wickedly, lost everything he had. That happens to the wicked. Number 14, the deprivation of the wicked. Verse 19, he shall neither have son nor nephew upon his people, nor any remaining in his dwelling. Uh, how could he apply this to Job? Easy. Job lost all his children. So he's rubbing that in again. It's just uh, cruel how these guys are picking the very most painful things about Job and using it against him. Now, it is sad when families are broken up because of evil, and it happens all the time, 
But this was not the case with Job. Number 15, the discomfort from the wicked. Verse 20, they that come after him shall be astonished at his days. So they went uh, before him were affrighted. This is uh, talking about him again being labeled as a sinner. Everyone is talking, Job, and they're really surprised at what's happening to you. So this is a hard cross to bear. Number 16, we, we see the dwellings of the wicked. In verse 21, surely such are the dwellings of the wicked. This is a summary kind of of what Bildad's talking about. And then finally, the dumbness of the wicked. Verse 21, this is the place of him that knoweth not God. This is the kicker. This is the, the final twist of the knife. When he says to Job, uh, not only are you a great sinner, but you don't even know God. I mean, what a, what a terrible thing to say. In the end, Bildad's going to learn that Job knew God better than all of them. But uh, this is where he's at right now, hearing these things. The attack on Job, again, is a reminder to all of us that when things go bad for us, for, first of all, things go bad for us, we can sometimes expect to be kicked when we're down. That's a terrible truth, but it is true. And uh, people can accuse you of all things. But secondly, when others go down, let's not kick them. All right, let's encourage them. Let's pick them up. Let's help them. When somebody makes a bad mistake or a bad choice in their life, it is not the end for them. We can get them back on track. That's what the Lord wants to do. Hey, that's what he did with you. Let's not uh, give any less to others. Amen? Don't be a bill dad. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this passage. It's time of fellowship. The things we can learn from.